in today's show, we're looking at the waiver wire for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball and on Substack, joshlloyd48.substack.com. Today's episode, ah, it's not brought to you by anyone actually. So there you go. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're going to talk waiver wire. We'll see how we go today. I'm a little bit tired waking up at uh, 2 a.m. to watch uh, Australia qualify for the next round of the World Cups. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, tiring as it is. So we're going to talk waiver wire. We also got some injury update news. I'll just talk about that quickly. James Harden back on Monday, it looks like, and Chris Middleton back on Friday. The Harden injury is basically right on exactly his timeline. And the Middleton thing, obviously, it's been pushed back a little bit. He had a, a death in the family, which has pushed back some of his recovery. But it's huge news, obviously. With Harden coming back, you're going to lose Melton and Milton value. Um, with Middleton coming back, you're going to lose Allen and Carter and Portis value. Not saying they're all going to be immediate drops, but they will trend towards that direction over the coming weeks. So it's good to have those big-name players back in the coming days. So let's talk about the fantasy basketball waiver wire. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, the most added players over the last 24 hours. Number one is Kyle Anderson. And I get it, right? Kyle Anthony Towns is out. We've talked about this a lot of times. Anderson, I don't think, will play 30-plus minutes a night. And my fear here is, he's got some back issues. Again, my fear on his overall upside is that they start Austin Rivers. That doesn't mean that Anderson won't be valuable. And he absolutely should be grabbed. You know, yeah, that, that is the right move. And it was the right move immediately when Towns went down. But... Our expectations, like, don't be surprised if you added Kyle Anderson and he comes out and has eight, six, and two with a steal and a block, and you go, "Why would I bother with this guy? He's useless. That's only twenty-four fantasy points." Like, don't be surprised if it happens, right? This is a guy who's not going to push to huge usage. He's not going to push to huge minutes, and he might not even start. I'm just preparing you for that possibility that he does not start, even though Towns is out. But it's the right move to add him, much like it's the right move to add Zach Collins. Now, Jakob Pertl is out for a smaller amount of time than old mate Carl Anthony Towns. It's at least a week here for Pertl. But I think I think Collins is going to have more value than Anderson over that week. And I think even though they might play on high-volume days, yeah, that Zach Collins will be a top 100 player, meaning if you do have him and you do add him, you'd probably start him on a high-volume day. I don't think it'll be Gorgie Jeng. I don't think it'll be Goldfinger Charlie Bassey. Yeah, Isaiah Roby's in that mix as well. But I think it'll be pretty clearly Zach Collins who plays 27 minutes or so. And those other guys bring up the rear. And I wouldn't say that Roby or Bassi or Jiang are clear enough to say, yeah, they can sneak into 12-team value. We saw initially it was Bassi, but we saw Roby occasionally get minutes. I'd want to watch that for deeper formats, but yep, Collins is a great ad. Fultz has been added in a lot of spots. I like what he can do. He was a guy that before the toe injury, I was targeting late in drafts. It was just so hard to find a point guard there. And of course, we haven't seen him for six and a half weeks. 
And I don't know where he's going to fit in. It does help that Jalen Suggs is out, but it hurts that Cole Anthony is there. And there's still going to be a lot of feeling out processes here for the Magic. So it's not it's not terrible to add faults. Fultz, I don't think he's going to be dominating and putting up clear top 100 numbers. I don't think that's going to be the case. But you know, we take a fly, we see what happens. Jalen Noel, pretty highly added player. You're going to get a usage boost for him with Towns out. Feel good with that. We've seen a few minutes up the last couple of games with Jaden McDaniels out. And I just expect a similar sort of thing. But he can very easily go ice cold. Confusing to see Grayson Allen as one of the most added players. That looks like the biggest chase on that list. Yes, he had a really good game last time out. And he's been solid. But the return of... Eh, I guess the return of Middleton's going to hurt him. We also don't expect him to shoot like he did last game. Where I think he was at 80%. But he had been good prior to that game anyway. So I don't mind it as a really short-term thing. But he's gonna, I'm going to find it hard to look at Grayson Allen as a long-term option. Caleb Martin was not a 12-team league guy. And then everyone got hurt. And he is a 12-team league guy. But he's dealing with his own injury, I believe, at the moment. I think he might even have been ruled out. No, no, he's probable. Sorry, my bad. He's been upgraded to probable. Yeah, we, we just roll with him until Butler and Struess and Hero and Vincent. I know Hero's been back, but he's back on the injury report now. Until they get relatively whole, yeah, Martin's going to have that value. Trey Murphy, one of the most added players. Can't argue with that either. Probably shouldn't have been dropped, although the bench roll for him is a little bit all over the place. But with Ingram out, we just roll. It's easy. And Malik Monk. You know that I've been big on Malik Monk as a waiver wire guy. Also looking at him as my 12th or 13th guy, meaning when hot options appear, that he can be dropped. But he was great last game. He could very easily be terrible in today's game. But he's a solid enough ad who's outplaying Keegan Murray and getting closing minutes over him and producing relatively consistently. So, you know, all these most added players, they all make really a ton of sense to me. Let's look at the most dropped players. Cam Reddish. Now, I agree, except, and I'll say the same thing, I, I agree except for Alec Burks. I agree except for Dorian Finney-Smith. I agree except for Marvin Bagley. Well, actually, I don't actually agree with Marvin Bagley. Um, but Reddish and the Knicks have this really good schedule this week. So while his minutes are confusing and he is clearly behind Quentin Grimes at the moment, which I think is a good thing for the Knicks, you still might be able to get decent enough value. Like if I'm holding Cam Reddish, it's not because I, if I, well, let's try again. If I added Cam Reddish, and this is me, I wouldn't have added him because, man, I think this guy's going to be a great rest of season. I would have added him because uh, strategically and gone, well, the Knicks are playing a lot of low volume games this week. Let's see what Reddish can do. And after I've had one of those games, I wouldn't be dropping him because those low volume games for this week still exist. I'm under no illusions that Cam Reddish is a long-term 12-team league guy, and I never said that he would be. But you know, when we're looking at how the schedule plays out, dropping someone before a 13-game Wednesday, I think, is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Now, I know some of you might have done that, and let me rephrase that. If you're dropping him to add a Kyle Anderson, if you're dropping him to add a Zach Collins, I get it. It makes complete sense. If you're dropping him to try and stream somebody in like a mere coffee or something today, I don't think it makes sense at all. Paul Reed, that's a very clear drop. In fact, he gets the jack. Get that garbage out of here! Alec Burks, really bad last game. The Pistons as a whole were really bad, but they are only one of two teams who plays on Thursday. And Burks probably gets 20 minutes and can easily have 17 points. He had four points, but there's just not many guys. And if you've got him on your roster... It's, you're not wasting a waiver move to have him there. Denny Avdi has been dropped. I get it. He'll be on. He'll be on and off waiver wise all season. I reckon Denny, and that, I, that makes complete sense to me. 
Dorian Finney-Smith, just the same as what I said for Reddish and Burks, except he gets more minutes. Terrence Mann did struggle a little bit yesterday as the Clippers relied on Musa Diabate to get them back into that game and win it. Okay, that's not going to be a regular occurrence. And now Norman Powell is hurt and Reggie Jackson's doubtful or questionable, sorry. So I think a man is not a bad hold and I'm not sure I would have rushed to drop him. Same with Marvin Bagley, who is, again, playing well. People get it confused when I say things about Bagley. Like, I think he's a bad player. I have thought he's a bad player. I also think he's improved this season. And he's getting enough value to be useful at the moment because he's fixed his free throws and he's blocking more shots than he ever has. And that's all useful. And he plays with the Pistons and they play on Thursday. So why would you drop him? I know that we saw him get, um, again, have Jalen Duran play more minutes than him, which has been a relatively consistent theme. But just hold him. Marcus Morris Sr. was also really bad last game. This is the time for him to put up good numbers, and he's not. I would still probably lean towards holding him, but it's a real 50-50 corner. And I don't think there's anything wrong. And again, if you're dropping Marcus Morris to add a Kyle Anderson, to try a Jalen Noel, to re-grab someone who dropped, or to re-grab Jaden McDaniel, that's the right move. But yeah, there is still opportunity here for Morris, who I don't believe is a good fantasy player, yeah, to have better games than what he had last game and produce more value. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and the latest trends for all professional and some amateur leagues out there, from football to basketball to soccer. Anyone see the bet the odds for Australia to uh, to beat Denmark? I reckon they would have been pretty good, but we did it. And esports, it's all over there at betonline.net. If you check out the odds for the NFL Week 13, the Miami Dolphins are four-point underdogs still. They haven't adjusted this. We're still underdogs. Wow, you can go check that out as well as, say, the Chargers, who are one-point favorites on the road against the Raiders. All of the odds for Week 13 of the NFL and Championship Week in college football are up at BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's look at droppable players. Um, again, don't have to drop them. I mean, you can, but that's what the idea of this is. When we're looking long-term, we're not looking short-term. We're not looking today. We're not looking tomorrow. We're not looking the next week. We're not looking at situations where you're flying and you've got an ability to hold to wait for guys to get better for some of these names are. They're just guys where I look at them and my current projections, I go, oh, I'm not sure you're going to be top 150 rest of season. So therefore, you're in, the, you're in the firing line. And the number one guy on that list to me is Keegan Murray. We're... 25 plus percent of into the season. We're into December. What's well, December here? I don't know. I said drop Keegan Murray at the end of last week. He's playing 22 minutes and I issuing 15% from three or whatever it is. And he was on my buy low show. Don't get that confused. On a buy low show, I was talking more for 14 team leagues. And I was also talking in situations where you've got the ability to sit on a player and you're in a strong position. And you can hopefully wait for him to improve. But if you can't wait for him to improve, he's eminently droppable. And that's what I would do. But if I'm in a great spot, if I'm sitting number one, and he, I don't have injuries or anything like that, and I've, I can just deal with it, I can deal with it. Do, do I think his best case scenario is top 70? No, not at all. Maybe he gets a top 100 stretch going, but it's not looking good. Monty Morris. Yeah. Why? Why are we holding him? Points leagues especially, but no reason for me to have Monty Morris in a category league. Streaming for assists, really specialized for that, but he's losing minutes to Jordan Goodwin. I think he's going to lose the job outright when Dylan Wright comes back. Lonnie Walker. Yeah. Hello. Is that controversial? Some people will think it is. But Lonnie Walker is a guy who scores. And that's it. 
And now there's another guy who's going to need the ball, and that's Dennis Schroeder. And I think Schroeder might actually start over Beverly. And Walker doesn't provide anything else. And when your volume of scoring goes down and you have iffy percentages, which he has had in the past, I don't really see how he maintains top 150 value, let alone 120 or 100 value. I would drop Morris and Murray ahead of Lonnie Walker, but I would still consider him a drop. And I do the same with the depressed penis Sadiq Bay. But remember, as I just said, no point dropping him today because the Pistons play tomorrow and no one else does apart from Dallas. So while I think Bay is going to fall away, we saw he played 18 minutes yesterday. And if they're going to run him off the bench and have Stewart and Bagley and Duran and Bogdanovich and all these guys getting minutes, he can't get 32 minutes off the bench on this team. He can't. And he needs volume to be useful. And I really don't see it happening. So I would jack him off really comfortably. For points leagues, and I actually think a lot of this applies for category leagues as well, because I've got two of the same names there, Sadiq Bay and Keegan Murray. But Dennis Schroeder, I don't, and he's probably a better points league than category league player. I don't see why we would be rostering him at this point. We saw the, the starts that he had. He needs one of Davis, LeBron, or Russ to be out for him to even sniff 12-team league. Otherwise, the lineups with him and Russ make no sense. He stands around. He's not a good shooter. He doesn't rack up peripherals. He doesn't get to the line. He doesn't do anything. He's not going to score enough. He might be get 22 fantasy points. Is that enough to have on a roster? Sure. Is that enough to absolutely just glue to your roster? No. Bay and Murray, clear drops. And then Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark's a category league drop as well, but he's a pretty clear um, points league drop. There's a, he's still rostered in 51% of Yahoo leagues. There is absolutely no reason, in my opinion, in any 10 or 12 team format to have Brandon Clark rostered. There just isn't. If Steven Adams gets hurt, yeah, let's go for it, right? But he's not hurt. We have no reason to believe he's hurt or no reason to believe he's going to get hurt. But as with a lot of these ones, if you just want to sit on a guy and maybe oh, well, if something happens and I've got the ability to sit and I'm flying and I've got deep benches, all that stuff changes the opinion and the calculus and all of these decisions. That's why when I say this is a droppable player, I'm not telling you go and drop this player because individual circumstances of which I can't account for all of them yeah, are important for you to take note of. But what I want to highlight with these names is if they're on your roster and you're in a 12-team league, look at your roster and go, huh, do I need him? Is it worth me having? Is he my worst player? And if he is, jack him. Must roster players. These are all guys that for my rest of season projections, top four for categories, bottom four for points leagues. We'll talk about if there's overlap there. I think they're top 100 guys. Therefore, I think they should be on a roster in all 12, 14, 16, even 10 team leagues. Probably not eight though. That'll, that'll vary. And for most, I'll run through this quickly because most of you, they'll be rostered. Kelly Lenick. Okay, this is, it's, it's so obvious. And, if, and I know that there are people who still listen to this or watch this show or follow me on Twitter that he is not rostered in their league. Because someone just told me two days ago, oh, they just added Kelly Linick. Thanks for the tip. Excuse me? And that's great that you added him, but far out. What's going on in that league? Add him. Josh Hart. Mitch Robinson. These are must-add players. I think, and I'm, this is the more dubious one, but I think Alexei Pokyshevsky is a must-roster player. You're going to have ups and downs, but you're going to have stretches of top 50, you're going to have, I think even his worst time, he's, you're going to have like, he's going to be 160th. I think he's a must roster player. For points leagues, again, I think Jaden Ivey is a clear must roster points league player. In category leagues, he probably is as well, but his deficiencies in counting stats, like rebounds, assists, and then percentages hurts him. Probably not quite to the degree that it does with Matherin, but it's similar, but he still should be rostered. Aaron Gordon, I look, I know he's been really good and he's going to fall away a little bit but he needs to be rostered in points leagues. Josh Hart and Killian Hayes. Now, I think 
is a 12-team category league guy as well, especially with the uncertainty surrounding Kate Cunningham. And if he is going to return at all, I don't see why Killian Hayes should be available in you know, 30 40%, I think it's 50% of leagues almost. It just shouldn't be the case. You need to make sure that Killian Hayes is on a roster somewhere. Okay, let's look at the hot players. The top, these are guys over the last week that have been top 100, and we'll figure out what we need to do with them. Gary Harris. Nice, Gary! Um, probably not. He can have these little moments, but we're reintroducing two guards into the mix today for the Magic. Actually, today for the Orlando Magic. Um, so Fulton and Anthony are going to be back. So Harris won't get 30 minutes, I'm guessing. Um, and he's been great. And he's, we want to watch what happens, but I don't think we need to bother with that. Dougie McDirt, maybe. Sohan's out for a week. Bates Diop's dealing with an ankle problem. McDermott is really just a points and threes guy. But that might be what you need. And I wouldn't discount him completely. Quentin Grimes in the top 100 over the last week. It's on the back of that game against the Pistons where he shot, what, 85%. I'm more encouraged by the minutes. I don't think he's a 12-team league ad, but we're obviously watching how that situation develops. Javon Carter. Yeah, I don't really see how it continues when Middleton comes back. Um, sure, have him now, write it out, and then we'll, we'll reassess later. Montrez Harrell, absolutely no way. See you later for him. Thad Young. Yeah, a lot of people did drop Thad, but he still started, and we'll get a better idea. In, I think they played today to see whether they do bring Barnes or Trent back into the starting lineup. I think Barnes, yes, and Trent, no. And I think Young will continue to start. And there's a chance that if they don't want Trent back in the starting line, that Young could start the rest of the season. Because Precious Achua is not very good. I know some of you think he is. He's not very good. And um, Otto Porter is fine, but I don't think they'll be starting him. So really, it's going to come down to Thad or Precious or Gary Trent. And I, while we might think that Trent is the better player, flash-wise, yeah. Is Young a better actual team-win basketball player? Maybe. So, yeah, I don't mind him as a 12-team league guy. And then there's two guys here. Dante DiVincenzo. I don't think that there's any reason to have him in a 12-team league. And Austin Reeves, who's really borderline, but he's more 14-team leagues, I think, or probably more 16-team, to be honest. New segment on the Waverwise Show, Deeper Leagues. Some of you play in Deeper Leagues. These guys are all available in over 90% of Yahoo leagues. I know he's out for the next week. Zohan, now. But Jeremy Sohan's like available in 92% of leagues. I think he should be rostered in all 14-team leagues. Not 12s, but all 14 teams. I think Jeremiah Robinson-Earl is a 14-team league player, and he's available in over 90% of leagues. He actually even has stream 12-team ability. He's going to be frustrating, but I think he's worth it there. And then a bunch of guys I think are worth 16-team spots. Quentin Grimes, and I could, I could easily see him as a 14-team league player, but he doesn't have the most fantasy-friendly skill set. So last game was great, but he could easily just go 7-4-1 or 7-4-3, actually, because he's not a bad passer um, and not take any shots. Naz Reed with the injury to Towns. Reed is a 16-team league ad, maybe 14. Damian Lee with the injury to Cam Johnson. He should be rostered in all 16 teams. Dean Wade, who I do think will remain the starter in Cleveland. He hasn't been dominating, but a starter who might play 27 minutes the occasional pop-off game. That's enough in a 16-teamer. And then the big ragu as well, Dante DiVincenzo, I think, has established himself with a solid role. He's playing pretty well for the Warriors, and I think that there is 16-team value there. Let's talk some other names. Big Dick Nick Richards. Saw a Hornets article today 
uh, Hornets blog post today about, um, yeah, it's time for the Hornets to make a change at starting center. And that's obvious to anybody, right? That Mason Plumley, the cockroach, isn't the answer to any, any question, unless the question is, who's the most mediocre center in the NBA? And then your answer is Mason Plumley. Is Big Dick Nick the answer? No. Are the Hornets a terribly run franchise? Of course they are. Will they make a change soon? I don't think so. As soon as we get an inkling of it, then we grab Nick Richards everywhere. And if you like so many other things we've talked about here, if you're in a position to stash and hold, he's an option there. The same as Isaiah Jackson. Like there's much more of a chance of Nick Richards starting than there is a Nyeka Okongwu. I think there's much more of a chance of Nick Richards starting than there is of uh, Walker Kessler. I think there's probably less chance of Richards starting than say Isaiah Jackson, but that's all trade related. But it's all going to depend on you. If you're like sitting with a record that's equivalent to one and four or one and five after six weeks, you're not going to hold Nick Richards waiting for Steve Clifford to run a young guy in there over a proven mediocre veteran because that's not what Steve Clifford does. Kimber Walker. I get to drop the Frank Walker drop twice today. Hello. Um, Kimber Walker is an interesting one. There is an opportunity if you grab him to trade him to someone who's a massive Kemba believer because I've had some people say some wild takes about Kemba already. He can get 30 minutes tonight. Can he? <laughs> no. I heard someone tell me that the sky is the limit for Kemba Walker. It's not. It really isn't. Kemba Walker, and if Jason Kidd won't play Christian Wood because of defense, how's he going to feel with Kemba Walker out there who can't really move that well and has struggled the last couple of years? He did have a 40-point game, and that is useful. Like last season, that, yeah, that's great. But he also didn't for the every other game. A lot of people are adding Kemba because we love the name value. We remember how good he was with the Hornets. But I don't think that he's getting 30 a night. I don't think he's getting 20, 25 a night. He can easily take all of Reggie Bullock's 13 minutes. He might take two or three off Josh Green, who was actually unbelievably good last game for them. So, yeah, I would add Kemba in 16. I'd consider it in 14. I probably wouldn't do it in 12s. Jalen McDaniels. Short term, I get, I get there's some value there with him, but I think as soon as LaMelo Ball comes back, he's not going to be worth having. And I know that Gordon Haywood is out, but the guy that benefits there is Kelly Oubre more. So Oubre, who would have gone to the bench if Haywood and Ball were healthy, he will stay starting and play 32 minutes. And McDaniels will play 21 or 22 or 24 off the bench. And it's not enough for 12 team leagues. Andrew Nembhard. I think he was going to re-overtake Aaron Neesmith as the starter. He was really good against the Lakers, quite obviously. There's at least 14 team league value in him. Justice Winslow remains a streamer. Good schedule this week. Lillard is out, but returning maybe on Sunday. And that will limit uh, Winslow's appeal. Amir Coffey I put on this list because Norman Powell, doubtful. Reggie Jackson, questionable. Kawhi out. PG out. You might be able to get one or two games out of Coffey, but he's only a streamer type. Dyson Daniels is a name to watch. CJ McCollum still dealing with the COVID issues. Brandon Ingram with the toe issues. And Dyson Daniels is dealing with the issue of being good while the guys like Devontae Graham are dealing with the issue of being bad. Every Pelicans person that I know are clamoring for this bloke to get minutes. I don't really see how he gets them because I don't think he's taking them from Alvarado. I don't think he's taking them from um, Devontae Graham, unfortunately, but he should. He's just a name to watch for those of you in deeper leagues just to see where it goes, especially short-term here. I think he played 27 minutes last game. It's really encouraging. And the last name, probably should have had this one earlier, but Cole Anthony. Is he worth grabbing? Like Cole Anthony at his best is like a 32-minute-a-night guy who probably shoots 40% from the field and is outside the top 100, gets a lot of scoring happening. And I just don't know that that's going to be the case this season. It's, is it going to be either him or Fultz that starts? Which one of them loses out? Do they both start? What happens when Suggs is back? 
is absolutely like I would out of everyone on this list, like he's the one you would add out of those guys on this list here easily. I probably still would have Fultz over him, but they're very very close to a toss up. Um. And Cole just has a lot of limiting factors. He's inefficient. His role is best suited, to, I think, to being a bench player. And then if he's a 25-minute-a-night bench player, you don't want that in 12-team leagues. But I get taking the flyer on him. It makes sense, given what he's done and given the scoring upside and given the uncertainty around that entire magic rotation. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. And if you are here on YouTube, please thumb it up, subscribe, ring the bell. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.